Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Shut up and sit down. Welcome to the Bowhunter Chronicles podcast with your host, Adam Miller. I'm here again with uh, my co-host, John Borsma. And today, um, many of the, the locals have been clamoring to hear from Uncle Frank. So um, my father-in-law, John's uncle, we've got uh, Frank Ackerberg here today. And uh, we're just going to go through some uh, kind of what we've been doing lately, as well as uh, maybe a little bit of Frank's history, hunting, and um, kind of the changes that have evolved, like in his lifestyle, uh, li- lifetime of hunting, and uh, maybe maybe we'll get him to uh, grace us with one of his famous uh, stories. Uh, but uh, this one should be a good one, and uh, so sit back and uh, take a listen. So, Frank, how long have you been uh, bow hunting? Uh, well, let's see. Uh, I was born in nineteen fifty-two. So I was probably uh, 14 years old, you know, when you could when you could gun hunt. So, and I bow hunted a little bit before that, you know. Uh, no licenses back then, you know. I mean, it's like <laughs> we kind of kind of winged it, you know. <laughs> and uh, how how did you get into it? Uh, just I was always uh, as a kid, you know, always had a had a stick bow. Uh, we used to shoot frogs and stuff, whatever you know, fish. We was, we was always doing something with our bows. There was there was quite a band of us that uh, you know when we started out. Just progressed into the yeah the deer hunting. Then. Yep. Yeah, we shot just you know. I mean, a lot of times we we just you know would go down to a, a creek or a lake and and just uh, you know that's what we did. So this wasn't necessarily during a season per se no no i mean you know summertime stuff like that you know and then as 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 it progressed you know i mean uh i always i always hunted 
uh, small game, you know, with a, with a shotgun. And, uh, but uh, the the bow hunting, you know, just it was it was always kind of there, you know. But then then the bigger things to the the deer, you know. So did you deer hunt during the actual deer season, or did you you just hunted whenever you? Well, you know, it was whenever the opportunity arose. uh, Back back when I was growing up, you know, I mean, it was uh, it was pretty poor times, you know. So uh, not saying that uh, we hunted. In a season or out of a season, but it was always season. <laughs> so there was a bit of necessity to the hunting. Yes, versus, it was, uh, well, it was the food factor was there, you know, all the time when we hunted. So how have the, I mean, so when you were hunting there, there was no scent control. There was no, uh, <laughs> you know, there was no TV, let alone TV shows or, or anything like that to influence your hunting. So how did you, what was the learning curve like at that, at that time? It was more or less, you just learned, you know, you learned on your own, you know, or or if you had an older guy around the neighborhood or something that, you know, yeah, this guy hunts, he bow hunts or whatever, you know, or mostly gun hunters back then, though, you know. And then uh, John's, John's dad, you know, influenced me with the bows, you know. I mean, we, you know, we bow hunted together for quite a few years, you know, so. But uh, just, you know, just growing up, you know, I mean, in that, that time, you know, I mean, it was a, you know, you progressed as you went. So. What was the deer population like back then? Was there quite a bit? Well, actually, you know, like we, we kind of all live in the same area now that what we grew up in, you know, where I grew up as a kid. Right. And back then, you didn't see a deer, you know, you didn't, if you saw a deer track, you know, around these areas, you know, that was really something. But uh, it's gone from from nothing to a lot. <laughs> deer know? everywhere in everyone's yeah. front yard. Yeah. Now, do you think that's a factor of population? So there was more land, like open area. So the deer didn't, they weren't in somebody's front yard because that wasn't somebody's front yard at that time? Most definitely. And, and you had just more, more forest, you know, oak forests and everything back then. It was just... Uh, so the deer were spread out. Very little private property, and as far as you know, uh, habitated private right. property. You know, I mean, you would go, you could go to areas where there'd be miles, right, of nothing. You know. And I've heard you say like many times of the things that we're doing now. It's almost like it's come full circle because there's all these phases of this is what is going on, and then. You know, and then somebody comes out with this, and then somebody comes out with this. Uh, one of the things that sticks out is like, I remember back when you would always have cover sense, cover sense, cover sense, cover sense. And then we were just talking about it recently with the nose jammer. And you're like, yeah, we used to use vanilla back in the 70s. Right. And right. I mean, so now that's just back. Um, you know, it's. Uh, I, I once talked to a guy that said that he, he uh, had gasoline all over him, you know, stopped at a gas station and he was going hunting and he got gas all over and he still killed the buck, you know, which, you know, hey, could happen, you know. <laughs> right. But what I'm saying back then, you know, is we used skunk scent, we used, you know, fox, uh, urine. fox urine, you know, and all kinds of stuff, you know. I mean, we just had, you know, everything we could possibly do to cover it, you know. But we weren't hunting so much the wind like you do today. You know, you you prioritize yourself on you know, if you're going to go into a spot or whatever. You know, 
back then it was more or less we're gonna hunt you know but we're gonna put this on you know <laughs> so yeah back then it was like well we're gonna go to the jb tree right or, that's the, a, that's, or the beer can tree yeah, our spots and we got two nights to hunt and we're gonna go hunt yep, that's what we did and so where did you get your information then i mean was it i mean you didn't just accidentally get sprayed by a skunk and say, well, I saw some <laughs> no, deer. No. You know what I mean? So so back in the day, where where were those tips and tricks uh, coming from versus now today? You know, you'd get it through through magazines and stuff, you know what I mean? Through, uh, and, and, and the the guys that used to, where I used to work, you know, a lot of a lot of insight came from people that would come in the store within, you know, that you'd hear somebody talk about something and then you'd pick his brain, you know. And that's how you got your, there was no internet or, you know, anything like that, you know. So where so, you worked was Spring Sporting Goods here in Michigan. Right. It was, it was one of the largest sporting goods stores in this side of the state uh, for, for many, many years. You right. Know? And they had fishing gear, everything. Yeah. everything. Uh, it transpired from, from uh, archery, you know, it, it went into big lake fishing, you know, just everything, anything and everything. Clothing. And so how did you end up there? Um, Phil Spring was my brother-in-law, and uh, he was one of the the owners, the, one of the sons. And uh, his mother, at the time, uh, they were going to build a new store on Ottawa Street. Uh, they, they had their store in their house, and uh, uh, bait tanks were on the front porch. And their dad used to sit in the... In the I guess what I don't know what you'd call it. It was living room slash store, you know. But he had his recliner in there, old recliner, and uh, he told a lot of stories, you know. <laughs> but he was a he was a cool old dude. But anyways, he'd passed away, and and they decided that they were going to upgrade. So they they owned the property next door. So they built this huge store, you know, and bulldozed the house down and stuff. And then that was how it kind of just kind of progressed, you know. I remember they even had a dart system in there. Oh yeah. Yeah, and, was, and what time frame was it that you started working there? And where was the technology with archery equipment and, and hunting equipment in well, general at that time? Uh, when I first started there, it was all it was all just recurves, you know. That was uh, uh, stick bows were the only thing that they had. And then uh, as as time went on, you know, and the, and the compound came out, Alan came out with the compound and stuff. Uh, that's when. The whole the whole industry changed. It was catastrophic. Like it was just you know you had you had people fighting actually between you know st- stick bow hunters you know what I mean recurve hunters and and compound hunters you know it was it was a war almost. But uh, what a transition it made you know what I mean it's right to where you are today you know and there's still kind of that oh yeah you still you still a, have that there's still a conflict it's between political you know, you know. well traditional mm-hmm. traditional archers compound and then there's also, the uh, if you want to call them archers, the crossbows. Yeah, and I think <laughs> that's what I was going to say is with the with the crossbow guys. I would have to imagine it's the exact same argument today is that the stickbow guys were saying, "Well, you know, right. you guys got all these wheels and all so this other it, stuff. It's not even fun. So, like, how can you even say it's that? like a lot of different factions? You know what I mean? You, within within one realm, you know what I mean? It's all one considered one realm, but but it's different factions all the way through, right? So what what year was that? Like the first compounds came out. I'm trying to think when I uh, I was I worked there. 
Uh, graduated from high school in 1970, and it was just before. I think it was. I, I would. I would say it was probably mid 70s. I would think. Uh, I could be wrong. Uh, I got married in '80, and I know by then it was it was really strong, you know. So. I, I can't remember exactly the dates, but it, it had to be within that time frame sometime, you know, in early, I think the early, late 60s, early 70s, maybe. It so, changed. So when those first compounds came in, what kind of training or anything did you have on them as yeah. far as like, because you did, you know, you guys were essentially the Bowtex, the, right. the, I mean, everything at the time. Did they just show up and you guys had to figure it out or were, did the reps come in and give you a full rundown or was, was there anything I, I like guess, today? I guess the reps gave us as much info as they could, but they probably didn't know too much about them either. You know what I mean? They were, these things were very, very mechanical looking, you know, it was, it was T handles and, and cables and pulleys and lots of them, you know, and that was the Allen. Yeah. 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 I was just looking up that says that, uh, um, Wilbur Allen or Hollis Wilbur Allen, uh, he patented, well, he invented it in 1966 and patented yeah. it in 1969. So, yeah, it would be, by the time it got to Springs, it was probably, you know, early 70s. I would say early 70s, you know. Yeah. And it, man, what a, what a deal, you know. I mean, it was, it was, it was crazy. But didn't you say, too, then, like, the they couldn't give away the, the Bear Grizzly or the. Well, it, after, the, after this, this whole flood of, of, of different manufacturers, too, right. you know, started. Because, well, uh. After one was manufactured, they, every company was wanted to get on the bandwagon. So that what they did was, they were all producing, trying to produce a bow. You know, it, they had they had recurves. You know, right? Uh, like Browning and them, and they were trying to make a compound. You know, right. and, and a lot of failure. You know, so and, they were trying to get in. You know, get right. ahead of it. And as it as it all progressed, then finally, you know, they they became more proficient at making these bows. You know, and they lasted longer and. Not so complicated and not uh, blowing up in your face. Yeah, well, they that was a regular thing, you know. I mean, things flying apart on them and stuff, you know. And, but uh, excuse me, and then it it went to, then to you know more toward the compound. You know, every, it was it was more speed than it was more. You know, you had all this to to add to everything else. Well, then the all of a sudden, all you had before was recurves. You know. And in 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 uh you know longos and stuff. So what happened was the market just fell out on those things. Just absolutely just fell out. You could you could buy a a, a bear Kodiak Magnum or a bear Grizzly brand new for like twenty eight bucks <laughs> at the time. And, and same boat you can buy the same boat today. How right. much? Thousand dollars, somewhere yeah. in the neighborhood from, I'd say from seven to a thousand dollars. You know, right? Should have stocked up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was just well, saying that the other day. day. If I would have known, I would have bought a hundred of them. Oh uh, yeah, it was. You know, but you know, you don't you don't see that. You know, you're right. you're caught up in all this stuff. You know, you're like man, what the, look at all this stuff. We can't even get rid of it. Exactly. It, we we couldn't give it away hardly. You know, well, that's like. There's another local shop up here. Um, it's called Armstrong's, and it was a, it was quite an adventure going through there. But it recently, he uh, 
sold out to his daughter and son-in-law. And before that, though, you could go in there, and there were bows from, like, the early 80s still hanging up there brand new. But what are you going to do? You know, it's kind of the same. The technology was so old. and Yeah, know. one of the things they did have in there that I saw, and uh, a guy bought them up, and they ended up in the, the pawn shop there in North Muskegon was um, – he had quite a few Oneidas. Right. And for right. the bow fishing guys, man, they, right. I there guess was... they were going all like down south to Arkansas or Alabama. But, I mean, he was getting more than retail at the time. Right. You know, uh, uh, for those. Because I, I walked into the pawn shop and there was five Oneida eagles. Yeah. Like the eagle, know, screaming brand, eagle. Yeah. Brand new. Yeah. Those, those were, those were uh, the ones, the only ones that kept their value or actually even, you know. That, that particular store, I when I was working for Springs, they ended up they they had a sister company called Diamond Distributing, and they sold wholesale. And after a while, I I worked, you know, as a salesman mm-hmm. in that, and I sold to Armstrong's. Okay. And now picture this: this is back in the early '80s, probably then. Right. I went in there. Uh, not too long before the store was changed hands, you know, how it got to its worst point, you know what I mean? Yeah, they pretty much closed. And I, I'm sure I saw stuff in there that I sold him right? that was still in there. You know, that's how much inventory this guy had. Yeah, it was it was pretty... Uh, it was, my kid uh, would go in there with me, and he just, he was in awe. Yeah. You know, he I would, would just walk around with his mouth open. I would bring out. people in there like, you ever gone to Armstrong's? No. Well, you got... Well, they're like, well, what's up? What's what's so special? Like, I can't even describe it. You just got to see it. Oh yeah, you couldn't. You couldn't. Uh, it was. I mean, he's a super cool guy. I mean, and he oh, most of the time he would know. Like, because he had not only you know he had hunting equipment, archery, then he had snowmobile parts, then he had all kinds of model airplane and RC cars and oh, fishing. Yeah. Everything. This, and you'd ask him, you know, hey, I need a motor for my RC car. Okay, go down this aisle. Going all the way to the end and underneath that pile of stuff there, you know. <laughs> move those boxes. Yeah, move those boxes. <laughs> but, man, we kind of got off subject. Got but off that subject was a little bit there. But, yeah, so the it transitioned into the compound, uh-huh. and then it really took off, basically. I mean. Right, right. Well, and, and like the, I said, uh, I, I told you guys I, I met Fred Bear, you know. Yeah. Well. One of his best friends, Wes Blundell, was a great friend of mine for years. Older fellow, they used to, him and Fred shot chipmunks together, you know, with mm-hmm. their with their longbows. But at that time, Fred Fred came, you know, to the store, and you want to talk about a draw, you know, you you can't imagine what it was like at that time, you know, for these guys were standing in line out the door, you know, right. to shake Fred Bear's hand, you know. So it was it was really a cool time, you know. Yeah, it'd be something. And so how did you get hooked up with um, that Wes Bondell? He was a local guy here? Wes, or? Wes lived in, in, actually he lived in Muskegon, but he had a uh, a trailer up on, uh, by uh, Irons, mm. you know, in by Free Soil. And uh, him and his wife would stay up there all summer long, and he would fish the Sobble River for Browns and the Little Manistee. And, uh, but Wes used to come in the store and, and he was a, he was a character. He was a, he just an old time storyteller. Just loved to, to BS, you know, and chew tobacco and 
Didn't you say he made like quivers and stuff? Or, well, uh, he made he made all kinds of uh, handmade uh, tie clasps, and belt oh. buckles, you know, uh, tie uh, bolo ties and stuff. Yeah. And just anything and everything. He you know polished the stones and you know did all that. And then he was big into big into uh, fly time, hmm. the big bugs. You know that they fished. You know when the hatch was on the big hatch. He he willed me some of that stuff. Well, that's a pretty so, cool story. Yeah, it was cool. So I don't think I've ever heard your first uh, deer story as far as the, the first deer that you killed with a bow. I know that there's a, a good story of you sitting on a tree limb with a recurve and shooting one out in the field, but I, I don't know if that was the first one. But That was one of the first bucks the... I ever shot. That was a steak dinner, that one. Uh, did you want to hear about that? Or, well, yeah. Uh, well, uh, let's hear about the the first one, the very first one. Oh gosh, you know, I mean, it's. I'm trying to think. It would have been a. It would have been a doe, and I and I can't honestly say I can pick one out. You know. I I did a lot of hunting. I know that for a lot of years. You know, and then it once it once you it seems like you get one under your belt. You know, it's like it's kind of like, breaks loose. Yeah, you know, I mean, you you lose that. I'm never going to kill one, you know what I mean? One of that attitude, you know. But And we were all good archers, you know. But then the adrenaline factor, you know, and and, the, and then you take into consideration the amount of uh, deer weren't as congregated as they are nowadays, you know, because of the population, I think, you know. But, you know, it was just harder to hunt, you know. You didn't, and you didn't hunt bait or anything like that, you know. You hunted, you hunted a sign, you hunted uh, food sources, you know, and, Things like that. I mean, honest to God, I, I you know, I never thought much about when I killed the first one. You know, <laughs> it's been a long time. I know. So, how about the first buck? Then let's get to that. What's well, the buck? Was, <laughs> that was we were we were. I was hunting with a guy that was an air traffic controller, and he was uh, this guy was pretty anal, you know. <laughs> and and I always, you know, I was always sticking him, you know. <laughs> I, you know, every chance I got, I would get him a little bit, you know. And he worked at Springs, too. Dougie did. And uh, so him and I went, uh, he was going to take me up to Marion, up to the Promised Land at the time. This was just Deer, Deer City up there, you know. He's always telling me about it. I said, well, you know, I'll go up there with you. Okay. So, you know, so we go up there, and he, he we, we pull in this guy's yard across the road from this field, and uh, we talked to him. He's a, he was the barber up there in Marion. And uh, we talked to him for a few minutes. And then we said, well, we're going hunting, you know. So we left the car right there in that yard, went across the road. And uh, we walk all the way across this field, excuse me, get back to this tree line. And Doug goes, there's this huge oak tree right on the corner right there. Climb that one, he says. There you go. I says, all right, you know. No stand. No, I had a, I had a, I had a, a baker at the time, you know, and uh, so I'm, I'm thinking, you know, Jesus, it's a huge field, man. You know, I mean, woods here, you know, but you know, I'm not used to that kind of hunting, you know. And he, and he points down, you know, a ways, and he says, "See that little point of brush right there?" I said, "Yeah." He said, "That's where they'll come out, right there." All right, and then he said, first guy that gets a buck." The other guy buys steak dinner. All right. Yeah. So I'm thinking. 
ah, this is bullshit, you know. I mean, I'm up there, you know. <laughs> I haven't got me a clue. He's field. going to the secret spot back in here, you know, and then put me in the gar right. hole, you know. So I'm, I'm like, well, you know, we'll see. So I'm up there a while. Nice, nice afternoon, you know. I'm kind of biding my time. All of a sudden, I look and there's deer walking out right where he told me. These four does walk out, and I'm going, oh, cool, you know. So I'm watching them, you know. And they're probably out in the field 20, 30 yards. I look back, and this branch is over there just, you know, doing its thing, you know. Oh, buck, you know. So I I get ready, and uh, no sights, you know, shooting instinctive. He steps out. It was probably, I think I paced it off later. It was 27 yards. I drew her back, and choom, right on past <laughs> Through the through this hard it was hard packed stuff, you know. You're all clang, you know, like that. And they all ran out in the middle of this field, you know, and they're all standing out there looking around, you know. So I reload. I'm sitting there, you know, I was shooting a I was shooting a barrel asking at the time with uh uh and I was shooting uh, four fletched arrows, twenty one seventeens, you know. Watching, watching, and pretty soon all the they doze, they start filtering back toward me a ways, and then they're going over toward this other point in the field. And uh, the buck, he just stood out there. Pretty soon, he starts walking back. So I thought, um, no, pretty pretty much where, you know, he, he got to, you know, those deer got to the closest point. So I thought, well, that's going to be the closest he's going to get to me, so that's going to be my shot. So he gets out there broadside. I drew her back. Nah, that ought to just about do it. I go, whack, flop, down he goes. <laughs> it's 54 yards. <laughs> I spined him right there. So here's this deer laying out there with his arrow sticking up out of him. So I'm like, done, you know, <laughs> got him. So I, down the tree I go, you know, I go out there. And I have a hell of a time with this thing. This deer, I could not, I tried to get one to where I could dispatch him, you know, put him in the ribs, you know. Every time I would draw the bow, I'd get alongside of him, he'd turn around and face me, you know, like kind of come at me. So after about four or five times of that, drawing 60-some pounds, you know, I says, okay, this is the last time, you know. So I, I draw on him real slow on the side. He turns around and I go, Tum! And I shoot him right in the chest, you know, and he's dead. So I'm sitting there, you know, kind of thinking, geez, how this all happened, you know. And all of a sudden, I, I hear something, you know. I said, man, it sounds like a car running, you know. Turn around, and here's this Oldsmobile, man, right behind me in the field. And I'm going, holy shit, I'm trespassing or something, you know what I mean? He set me up, you know. So I, I look, and this little man, little old lady get out of the car. And they walk up there, and I look at them, and they go, that was so cool. We were watching that deer from the road, and all of a sudden, he just fell down. He was just <laughs> like, and here's this arrow sticking out of him, you know. <laughs> Can we watch you got him out? <laughs> sure. <laughs> I thought I was in trouble. <laughs> oh, I did too, man. But needless to say, when Shank came out that night, you know, I was sitting on the deer because he, he shined the tree, you know, and I'm not in it, you know. I whistled to him, and finally he walks out there, you know, and he goes, What's going on? I says, steak dinner. He goes, you son of a bitch. He goes like that. <laughs> he goes, how far did he run? I said, he didn't. He goes, what do you mean? I said, I shot him right here. 
No, no. He paced it off. It was 54 yards <laughs> to the tree. That was that was one of the first ones. So was it a monster? Oh, it was a huge five point. <laughs> it was probably, I'd say, six or seven inch spread, you know. Well, you know, Frank only shoots the mutants, so. True. Yeah. Well, and he was a little mutated, too. Well, I got to admit that. Yeah, we were hoping to do this over at Frank's because he has literally a wall of shame. <laughs> he had this box of antlers that was just overflowing, and he decided that he was going to put them up on the wall of his pole barn. And there are some of the ugliest year-and-a-half and, and two-year-old bucks that you've ever seen in your life, but they all tasted good, right? They were all mine, yeah. They even well, seeked me out. You know? Well, that was one of the things, like, when you know when I started hunting growing up, uh, hunting with my my dad my uncle frank you know one of the things was we couldn't i wasn't allowed to shoot does right you know it was right you shoot a buck you leave the does alone as long as it's got horns you know shoot it so i mean it i shot i flung a lot of arrows at spike horns and three points and you know, it took quite a while for me to actually kill a deer and the actual the first deer i ended up killing was a doe with my bow. Mm-hmm. And I remember I was like, oh, man, I am I was upset. And then my dad was a little upset. But looking back, you know, now it's, you know, it's something that you kind of pretty much have to do now. Oh, yeah, deer management, for sure. But, or what managing the herd or whatever, you know. But that's, you know, that's some of the, the things that have changed. Well, you even, even, you know, how old are you now? You're 43. 43 years old. Just in the time, you know, that you've been hunting, you know, there were, do you remember the times that we, we hunted just for, for deer meat? I mean, oh, yeah. you know, that kind of stuff. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. My, I mean, I remember my dad going out and killing deer. I mean, we, I grew up on venison. Sure we did. Venison and steelhead. And oh, yeah. I remember it was, you know, it was a. Like once a month, or not, maybe not even that often. It was we'd we'd get to go out to McDonald's. That was our like our treat. Like we we're going out to dinner. Well, <laughs> it was that's, McDonald's. That's a big deal, you know, back then. Yeah. So when you're saying that that you didn't shoot any does and uh, you were shooting any buck that you could get your, uh, you know, that you could get in your sights, what do you think about like the new? Um, I guess like the new culture of all of this. Well, it's got to be 140. It's got to be 130. It's got to be Pope and Young. And so in Michigan here, we have a youth hunt where um, September 15th or the weekend thereabouts, um, all the youth get to go out there with a, a mentor and there's no age limit. So that any, if you deem that your child is um, ready to go hunting, you can take them out with any weapon that you choose. And, you know they've got a much better shot. There's a lot of really nice deer that are that are getting killed in the youth hunt, but I think it changes, like the maybe like the realistic expectation of of what to expect as you're going forward. Or do you think that it's creating a new group of hunters that are going to, um, for lack of a better term, be trophy hunters or maybe do a better job at deer management to shoot mature deer. I mean, which do you think? Because during that season, they can shoot a buck, a doe, a spike, a button buck, any deer. There, there's no restriction on that either. My uh, my my take on this is when the, 
when the youth hunt comes, you know, I think that they would, they should be, should have to take a doe. This is my thought, and I know I'm going to get kicked for this, you know, but this is my belief, you know. Uh, sometimes the fathers have more influence on the uh, the hunt than the child does, you know, so uh, they're looking to, you know, bolster this buck, you know, or whatever that they, they, they probably pretty much know what's out there, you know, trail cams and stuff, you know. It's more exactly. of a trophy to them. Exactly. And exactly. so it's, it's their opportunity to get, get I mean, in them. I mean, how many kids, you know, that are eight years old or whatever, you know, he didn't, he didn't know how to hunt that deer. He didn't go out to, he goes out there to shoot a deer, right. you know, so make it an antlerless deer, you know, have him work for something, you know, show him, you know, this is, this isn't a reward, you know what I mean? As far as if you're killing a deer, that's something, you know, exactly. You know, that's a big deal. It's a great program. It is. To get the kids out there and get them interested i mean i i can kind of see like some of the kids that go out and kill a big buck now that it might be setting them up for failure exactly because now they go out and they have to hunt a regular season with the archery equipment and you know i know like my son jet i never i took him on i think one youth hunt and we didn't kill him we he was just he had his lunch and everything eaten and stuff by nine o'clock and he was ready to walk and go home. But, but I didn't do any, you know, preseason. It wasn't like I had this buck picked out and I knew, you know, like right. a lot of these guys exactly. like, are going to go out and kill this buck. Right. And it was just more like, well, let's go out. We got a tag or we have the permission to go out and hunt. Well, but, I think, I think Frank, you know, you got what, one year to hunt with Chris? For, yeah. for the youth hunt. Yeah. And he'd been hunting every year since he was 12 years old, since he could hunt. Mm-hmm. And he was out there. And uh, it, it, <laughs> I love Chris to death, but Chris has not killed a lot of deer. I've been with him for every single deer that he's killed. And it's always a wild ride, <laughs> um, to say the least. But uh, that being said, you know, you guys hunted really hard for a lot of years. And he saw you sh- shoot a lot of deer. He saw you pass on a lot of deer to try and let him kill him. right exactly and that youth hunt story that that for you and chris is a great testament i think to like what hunting i think should be is you guys it was you guys went out there and then you had bucks that he could have killed right oh yeah there was there was uh, i think five of them in one group came came in you know and it was uh, more adrenaline than anything you know that's you know but he you know him him growing up you know what i mean like he spent a lot a lot of hours in the woods you know but he just uh you know how that is sometimes it's uh you know just doesn't know when to take the shot doesn't know when to draw the bow you know sometimes you know it's all a learning experience and you still screw up you know oh, i mean, I, you, I screw up all the time oh, it's, you i know, screwed I mean, up so that, many times but oh god i mean if but it's, I, you know I think that inexperience for Chris is because yeah. he, he only hunts, I mean, right at this point, you you got to kind of get him out there. And, and this year was, a, I mean, he hunted really hard oh, yeah. up in the UP, but after he killed that doe and he was filming for me, um, you know, I, I drew my bow from the hip because they were, <laughs> they were on us. And he's like, I've never seen anything like that. And it was, that was when I had to draw the bow and I didn't, I mean, that's why I'm shooting 60 pounds is because. You know, it was it was cold. There was a lot of adrenaline. Those deer were definitely alerted to that that we were there, and uh, 
that was when I had to draw, and he's looking at me going, what is he doing? Like, oh, man. Well, just, just in the fact that these bows nowadays, you know, the speed is, is incredible on them. I'm shooting 52 pounds, you know, out of, the, out of the helium, and that thing is plenty fast. Oh, you know, for even with the arrows I'm shooting and stuff, you know what I mean? You, I've heard stories of guys trying to pull back 80-pound bows, you know, when it's cold and this and that and trying to go around a tree, you know, or whatever and can't, couldn't draw their bow, you know? Well, I was, I did that. I yeah. mean, the, you know, I was in my 20s or whatever thinking I'm a, you know, Barney and I was shooting a Pearson Spoiler Plus and had it cranked up and it was at 84 pounds mm-hmm. and, and it was, you know, I could draw it you know, pretty easy, but yeah, in that situation, I remember there was like a couple times when it was like late season cold, you've been sitting there and you're all stiff and you go to draw back and oh, you get to that wall. And it's, yeah, you, that's, a, that's a pretty sick feeling, you know, but, when you couldn't draw your bow. But. I think the only time I've ever not been able to draw my bow, I didn't try, I wasn't confident in my equipment, but I was in the UP and at our property there's not, world-class deer by any means i mean it's it's getting much better i mean we've seen progressively the deer get better and better and better and a portion of that i think is the antler point restrictions but this was you know 15 years ago and it was the first real deal racked buck that i'd seen and i was shaking so bad i was up against a tree and i'd peek out and look (laughs) <laughs> and back and you know the deer was probably 35 yards away and i i wasn't confident at that distance with that bow because i'd never shot that i mean we talked about it in the first podcast but it was it was pie played accuracy at 20 yards and and that was that was good enough you know if you hit the bale any farther back than that then it was it was good but you know shooting at that deer at that time there's no way and it was the next year when i bought that new um reflex just because of that exact situation but i don't think i could have drawn the bow there's no way 60 pounds 50 pounds <laughs> wouldn't have mattered wouldn't have mattered and so frank you've had a um a little rough patch recently the last couple of years has been a little bit dry but you you had a pretty good season this year huh oh yeah, yeah. well in I, as you as you get older, I was gonna kind of get into this. I you know I didn't really know how to transition into it, but as you as you age, you know things change in your body, and you don't you don't seem to realize it as often you know as you did before you know. And uh, my sight had been going away and stuff, and you know you just don't you don't react the same either you know, but. Uh, not being able to see and not not really knowing that you're losing your vision, per se, you know, is a big deal. Believe me, because there's a <laughs> I had a lot of a lot of instances in the last few years, you know, that uh, you know, go to draw the bow, you draw the bow, and oh uh, man, I don't, can't really see the sight or can't you know can't see the deer, see the deer. Or, you know, have the deer see you and things like that. So. Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd been going through a rough strain, you know, you know that, but, uh, and, uh, I went out on, uh, well, Adam and I went out on public land this year and just, uh, one of the old spots, you know, and, 
It's a good spot. Yeah, that's a good spot. <laughs> it's the one well, I normally hunt. <laughs> <laughs> well, I put him on a good rub line, didn't I? Yeah, along with the other four hunters that were out there that day. There's I four no, other guys. I had no idea that that was going to happen. 4,000 acres. That brought you right in there with me. 4,000 acres. And he says, you got to get right here. And they all walked right <laughs> by me. Well, it was a hot spot. I told you that. He <laughs> didn't say hot for what. <laughs> it was close to the parking lot. It was close to the parking lot. But it was, it was, that, was that day was, uh, to me, was probably you know, one of the most fulfilling uh, in a long time. You know, it was uh, just how it all went down. And, you know, you, you how can you go out there on that that many acres of land and and sit in one freaking tree? You know what I mean. This is the one. Right. And, and you say that that was you used to hunt that years ago. That same well, or that same actually, area. Adam's Adam would hunt uh, probably not too far from that. On, I, I probably hunted. Well, I've hunted both sides. It's on this, um, it's gas, this gas line, line. and it's it's a ways. I, I think on the GPS, it's like a half a mile from the truck. But to get there is is a is a solid three quarters of a mile walk. Oh yeah, and it's through the gas line. Isn't it, it's mowed now, but it's all marsh. So it's you have to wear like hip boots or tall boots, or re, if you're going through there in the morning, you have to wear hip boots. Yeah. Um, if you're going there in the afternoon, you can pick your way through um, the, high it, the high spots. But uh, there, there's no way uh, that you're just gonna go out there in regular leather boots and, and get out there. So it, and it's, it's halfway between two of the access points. So you can get to it from the other road and it's probably just about equidistant, but it's still halfway down the gas line. So it's, it's a, it's a tough spot to get to, but I mean, it is just constantly beat down. There's a ditch that runs right into the gas line right there and they go around and they skirt that ditch and right where that ditch crosses, that's where they would always, and I, uh, that's where they always cross. And so I'd sat multiple spots on there and, you know, Frank had given me the, the tools. He said, well, this is a spot where you need to sit. This is what worked years ago. And so I would sit and then the deer would kind of go around me or, I mean, where he told me to sit, I've killed deer. I could have killed deer there this year, but they just kept on moving further and further down they were kind of taking a different path so i moved down and moved down and then i saw found this spot and um, they used to hunt there years ago back off the gas line a little bit maybe 50 75 yards and it's basically where you were sitting when you killed that buck yeah, this year right well chris's tree was back there that originally the original spot that i put him in back there on that on that little uh, logging road you know but yeah it was it was a uh, you know, I'd had the hex for a long time, you know, on me. So, so what got, happened? Uh, well, you know, I went in there and got and just got like I said, climbed that tree, and uh, I wasn't up the tree very long. And all of a sudden, I told Adam, I says, uh, "I'm going to shoot a deer tonight." You know, I didn't really care what it was. I wanted a, I wanted a deer. You know, and it was two days after your birthday. Yeah, it was the 25th, wasn't it? Yeah, mm-hmm. and uh, I, I. Been up the tree maybe, I don't know, 45 minutes, half hour. Looked to my left, and there was a deer in between me and the gas line. And I uh, couldn't really tell how big it was, you know. And then caught movement back behind me a little farther, you know. And another deer 
and that deer came and walked back, and uh, see, it was a good-sized doe, and I thought, all right, you know, two does, you know. So this one comes, you know, close enough, it's going to get it, you know. So I'm watching. Well, then I see that the other one's a fawn, you know. So don't a fawn, so I thought, nah, let it go, you know. So they they worked their way around me and then worked their way on out into the woods, and I'd sat there a little while longer, and all of a sudden I, I see deer up the gas line more, maybe 100-some yards up there, and uh, just see uh, deer moving here, deer moving there, and, and then uh, as they kind of working their way towards me, uh, there was a lot of water in there, and uh, all of a sudden I see a lot of splashing, you know, so I'm thinking, there's a buck there, you know, chasing them does around. And, there were, and I knew there was at least four deer, but ended up being six, so, but uh, all of a sudden they just... <laughs> like a magnet they just started working their way right towards me of course that was the the general you know line that they used to take you know but uh as they got down there close to me you know probably yeah 50 yards there were does standing in the water and then uh i couldn't see the buck and i didn't you know i knew he was there somewhere and uh there was four does and then all of a sudden here come another doe trotting up and and he was chasing her and, and I have to shoot. I had to shoot my bow with my glasses off at the time, so I'd already put my glasses away because I knew I was gonna. If I got a shot, it was gonna be a buck, you know. And uh, as it as it happened, they just all of a sudden he 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 chased them all right at me, and they came right down to the tree, and I had put the the uh, evercolm on the tree, and I think that stopped them, or or my scent did, because I wasn't up there very long. And, and it was hot. It was, uh, it was it was a warm day. Yeah, it was pretty warm. And and they uh, they all stopped like the does stopped both sides of my tree, and the buck stops out in front of me about five yards and looks right up at me, and I'm thinking, oh God, here we go, you know, he's gone, you know, and as I as he looked at me, he just looked up at me that one for just that second, you know, and then he kind of put his head down and grunted and started chasing him again. Well, as he did that, I I had to swing right over the top of my stand and drew and all the does spooked. It just, you know, I spooked him and he just stopped right there. And he was what, I don't know, probably five to 10 yards or something. And I shot him right there. Thunk. <laughs> Way he went, you know, he was, fa- he was like quartering hard away, right? Yeah. He was kind of quartering like uh, away from me like that. And I put it right down through, you know, the ribs and into the, right into the point of the brisket. Not, didn't get a complete pass through, but the point of the arrow was just starting to stick out. But it didn't make any difference. It really. Well, that's pretty good for fifty-two pounds. Oh yeah, yeah. So. That's why I say, you know, these these bows today, you know, the way they shoot, you know. That and you're shooting Carbon Express. Yeah. The Carbon Hunters or the. Um, no, the. Um, which ones are they? I think they're the Maxima Red. Maxima Red. No, not Maxima the, Hunters. Not Maxima Hunters. Yeah. Not the it's yeah. a pretty light setup. I mean, his his arrows aren't. Right. I mean, there's no. Um, additional weight up front. There's no right. nothing you're, but the broadhead. Yeah, and you're shooting the muzzy tripans, or not uh, muzzy, but uh, uh, rage rage yeah. tripans. Yeah, I get that. I keep doing that lately since they're well, since we saw the muzzy head. Well, yeah, that and they're yeah. you know they're together with right. But we saw that head though too. Yeah, the muzzy, the new muzzy, uh, the hybrid. Yeah, looks like it's got the tripan blades in it. Right. 
But anyways, the, the, the moral of this story was uh, the deer went 50 yards and dropped. And so I thought I was going to, I didn't realize that he'd gone down. I, I, I saw the, you know, where I'd last saw him was like 50 yards. I ranged it, you know, and didn't hear him or see him or anything after that, you know. So I'm thinking, man, did he get in the brush and what, what you know, because it all happened pretty fast. So uh, it was like uh, 10 minutes to 6. So I think, eh, I'm going to give him till 7 o'clock, you know. So I'm up the tree there, you know, pretty soon I'm looking at my looking at my phone, you know. And I go, it's like 5 after 6, you know. <laughs> I'm going to give him till uh, 6.30, you know. <laughs> and then it was like quarter after 6. I'm, I'm getting down. I'm going to check this out. <laughs> so I went over there and. I walked over to where I last saw him and looked around, and I'm thinking, geez, should be some blood, because it was all water, though, too, and I thought, this should be some blood here, you know, and I looked to my left, and here he is laying right there. You see his lighted knock. Oh, yeah, lighted knock sticking up out of his back. He's laying right there in the water, so. So, so good, good kill. It was. And then I I went back, and uh, I, I took some pictures, and, I, and then I went back and waited till dark for Adam to get down, you know. And I told him, I says, hey, I said, I got one, you know. I said, we need to get the deer hauler and get him out, you know. So we go back in there, and my son-in-law, he's a horse anyway, so put him on the deer hauler, and he hauls him all the way out of there just about by himself, you know, all the way out of the swamp, back to the truck. And after that, uh, and, I, and I had texted a couple of people about my, uh, the curse was lifted, you know, and I didn't realize that I'd give it to Adam. Yeah, the curse was just transferred. <laughs> he just he transferred the curse to his son-in-law, I who mean, just hauled his deer out. Yeah, it was. <laughs> my season was terrible. It was a a terrible season, um, but I had lots of opportunities and just didn't um, just wasn't able to capitalize on them. But I had a great time, you know. My brother had an opportunity at a really nice buck. I mean, three-year-old, and, and again, on our property in the UP, that's, it's not, it's becoming more commonplace, but it, it just doesn't happen. And, you know, I, I had a sit where I saw 30 deer. I saw a really nice buck, had a fawn bed down right in front of me, drew back on two different does right there. Um, it, it was a, it was a good, good trip. Um, with the exception of I missed three times, I I hit one. I, I hit a branch and hit one in the right in the back straps, and and that's trying to film. So it's all on film, you know. It's <laughs> you know Plus, I, didn't I, you everything. Roast a camera too. Oh yeah, I roasted a camera in the or rain. Not not really roasted, <laughs> drenched it. Drenched it. Uh, I lost my GPS. Um, I. Uh, I shot one. I liver shot one. Got jumped up by uh, the neighbors on their uh, machine, and the coyotes ate it um, <laughs> before we could get to it the next day. So it was. It was just, you know, a, it's a curse. Oh yeah, that's that's basically uh, Frank's curse. But I don't know if I want to. I don't know if I want to film for you now. You might well, have me shoot one. I might end up with it. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> I won't make you haul it out. I'll, I'll do the work myself. Um, but yeah, we're going to try and try and get into a little bit more filming 
as a as a team this year i think um that's one of the hardest things that i've encountered the last couple of years is that if if everybody's not on board and you're the one idiot lugging all the gear and getting <laughs> up there and you know not that i think of you as an idiot or anything but i remember the first year when you come down to ohio with us and it was like what he's got all that's a pain in the ass look at all the extra stuff he's camera and then i you know i see him like well it's a good idea though i mean you shoot a deer and you got your gopro and then you could you know see what kind of hit you have you can kind of follow it so then i you know i'd mentioned that and then my wife got me one for christmas but then it was like i forget the battery or extra battery or i forget the card and like man it's kind of a pain in the ass well and that's the thing is if everybody's not on board it is such a chore i mean i mean even with this whole podcasting thing, I mean, I came over here with three bags full of crap, you know, to get everything set up just to do this. And honestly, it's just because it's something that I want to do, you know, getting getting Frank over here. This is what our fourth episode, and I've been trying to get him on for the, the whole time. And a lot of that is, I mean, the man's a great storyteller and he's got a lot of um, very good insight from all the years and he's killed a lot of deer. But just to have it documented, I mean, that's the thing. That's the thing I think about filming and all of this is that I try to explain it to people, but if you can tell somebody and they say, well, yeah, whatever, right. a picture's worth a thousand words, oh, but yeah. if you can recreate it with video, I mean, how many cool things well, have you have you seen? Here's the thing, too, you know, uh, where we where we hunt, a lot of these places is is you're doing a lot of walking to get into them and i can understand carrying all that gear you know and 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 i'm at a point in my life where i just enjoy the hunt you know right more than i don't have to kill that 150 inch deer or 180 or 200 inch deer or whatever you know i, I don't have to but if i'm with a guy that kills 150 inch deer and we get it on film you know that to me is worth it you know uh i've uh, how long we've been hunting ohio six years i think so. Ohio, six six years years. i've seen big bucks every year you know this year uh because of my my eyesight deal i screwed up and probably one of the bigger not rack wise, but body wise, deer. This deer was huge, you know, that I missed on there. That last one of the last nights we hunted, right? Because that was this year. We well after last season in, in shooting leagues, you were having the issues with your eyesight, right. so we ended up getting you a scope. Uh, we put a lens in your your peep. sight, yep. and then we put a clarifier in right. your peep. But with with that setup, you cannot shoot. You can't have glasses. It's just too many lenses. So we. Got you shooting quite, I mean, quite well. I mean, great, actually, for what you were doing. Right. You you could see the target. You could see your pin. But without my glasses. But without your glasses. So right. that, that leaves you with the dilemma of when you're in the tree and you're trying to see deer. Right. You know, you got to have your glasses on. And then when you go to shoot, you got to take your glasses off or drop them down. Or, you know, there's the extra step to it, which it might be okay when you're shooting a doe or something, but, but in this case, you, 
Yeah, I was shooting really big deer. You know, <laughs> so really you're big, pretty excited. Really big deer. And I, oh, yeah, the adrenaline factor definitely, you know. I drew the bow with, with my glasses on. So so at that point. <laughs> and he stopped, you know, and he's looking at me, you know, and I'm, you know, you know, you got a few seconds, you know. Right. But, I mean, I didn't know what what to do, you know. I mean, it was like I'm I'm trying to look around my sight. I'm, you know, not thinking of taking my glasses off. That doesn't even cross your mind, you know. And uh, finally, after about four or five times of moving the bow, the, the sight over and back, over and back, over and back, I figured, yeah, that's on him, you know, and I let it go, and I shot right underneath this son of a bitch. <laughs> you know, so, I mean, it was, you know, but it was, hey, it was great, you know. It was a clean miss, too. Though, yes, so. it, was. it was. I watched that lighted knot go right into the ground underneath him, <laughs> you know. But uh, since then, though, boys, I've uh, – I've had uh, double cataract surgery, so I'm uh, 2020 again. Right. So, I'm, so now there's no more excuses. No, I, I, <laughs> I don't. You know, if it's a miss now, it's it's all mine. Well, that and we're gonna we have some issues with your the the bow setup. Right. As it's a little bit long in the draw length for it. Now we look at it close, and you get a little. You're so far back. You're right on the edge of that valley, so you get right. some of that. Right. You know. Must come ahead, yeah. Pull away. And I think this is the whole thing too, though. You know, the sight, everything, your vision. You know, as you get older, your draw length. I think it decreases. You know, I think you lose draw length. Actually, you know, you have to because I used to shoot a lot longer. You know, when I was younger, you're you're not as expanded. No. So it's all something to take into consideration. You know, I mean, you guys need to give me a break. You know, (laughs) oh, give me a break. The one thing I know you're good at is whenever when when someone does kill a deer, you're you're, I would say probably more excited, you know, as oh, excited if oh, not yeah. more than the guy killing it. Oh, yeah, that's and, what I'm saying. And you we'll know, definitely like, put know. down some uh, uh, a little partying with them. Oh, yeah, yeah <laughs> when I killed that one in Ohio, you you about lost your mind. Like I like I said, I I told him, you know, it was as wide as my shoulders. I was holding my arms out, saying, "This deer is this big." And I said, "Oh, it's no big deal. You know, you'll find another one." And uh, I don't know why. Did you guys not hunt that day, or you just didn't hunt the evening, or well, you came in street clothes and no, uh, we, came uh, walking down that trail? Where did we go? And then lost your mind. Yeah, you guys were out doing something, and I came back. Oh, maybe we were looking because we went into that. Is that when we went into the spot by the the? The reservoir. Mm-hmm. I just know that I'm trying to think. That of John that. left me there with three bush lights, <laughs> and I was sitting there with that deer. And uh, what what ended up happening was they came back. John came back with a whole, you know, <laughs> you know, the entourage, and we are sitting there, and they just couldn't believe they were just sitting there with. Eyes wide open, in awe, high fiving each other. Not even high fiving me. They're <laughs> high fiving each other, just going, "Oh my God, look at that!" You know. And well, it was, which it was a good here's, time. here's another thing, though, too. That the deer we had when I found it, I went and got Adam, and then we end up dragging it up the trail. I mean, right past my tree, right. And so we're only like seventy five yards, or maybe a well, hundred yards from where. From my spot, right. <laughs> that's where I left them, and then we get back there and we're partying and hooping and hollering. <laughs> so that spot was kind of hey, we had to leave that spot, you know, for a few days. But but the whole thing was it was a pretty extraordinary 
deal of how it all went down, you know what I mean? How how that deer got recovered and, you know, yeah, how was, you found it and stuff, you know I mean? That's a, an amazing uh, uh, term of events, man, as far as, you know, it could have it could have been like well, nothing. It, it, well, yeah, we we had it not ended up where it was at, we would have never found it. Right. I don't know. I, or, I, 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 I we wouldn't have found it then. We wouldn't have I found mean, it we would I think we would have ended up walking that creek because the one that Jason hit, we walked. Right, we walked, we walked for, for two days. We walked a long time, for, yeah. for a couple days. Yeah. And uh, I still can't believe we didn't find that deer, even after we jumped him up the second time and found all that blood. And, but yeah, and the, the Jason's, we were, we were on blood. And when he would go up the up the hill, you remember when he, that last deal where before yeah. we lost him all together? Well, he, he went out of that he, private, and we he, couldn't Yeah, we didn't but have he, went up, he went up into that, it was that whips or whatever it was, right. but he went up that ridge. And I thought, well, we're going to get him now. Because he was really, he was bleeding good, you know, when he went up like that. Then it was just absolutely nothing. Crazy. Yeah, so I think he jumped off the cliff down to the river. I don't know what happened. I mean, it, it was right there. <laughs> Those the deer down right. there, though, can do anything. Those deer, I've never seen anything like it. They're just, they're up goats. Down. Yeah, they're, they are. They're goats. But yeah. Well, anyway, back to what, you know, Adam's deer died, ended up dying. Well, you, I mean, you want to. We haven't go, gone through the story. We haven't talked. To, uh, we haven't talked about the story. Maybe we at all. should. Maybe we should. Uh, maybe. Well. How, all right. Well, let's let's end this one right now, and then we'll just go on and and we'll start another podcast. Okay. For this one, so we'll end up this one. Um, so tune in next time for the story of the uh, Ohio giant, or the first one that we <laughs> killed giant for us. Anyways, um, check out. Uh, the Bowhunter Chronicles uh, podcast.com and check out our affiliate links. We've got uh, links on there for Bowhunter Box Club. Uh, you get 10% off using the code Chronicles, or you can get 20% off the VIP Pass Through Club with uh, code VIP Chronicles. And that's an awesome program. We're going to have Jason on there. And also check out our Facebook page. We're going to be doing a giveaway for a three month subscription to the uh, Bowhunter Chronicles, uh, or excuse me, the Bowhunter Box Club. Um, a three month subscription um, coming up here when we get Jason on. He's gonna. He's had some hard times right now. He's in Hawaii. His uh, dad was on vacation and took a fall, and uh, he had to fly down there. But everything's looking good. Um, but hopefully, we're still on track to have him on here. He's sending me a box, so we're gonna do a live unboxing um, on the podcast, and he's gonna talk to us a little bit about what um, goes into that box. And February's box has the highest um, value. Usually they're around $70 for your $40 um, subscription. So it's going to be over $70 um, for February's box. So um, definitely go check it out and check the link on our uh, website. Look us up on Facebook. And uh, all the links will be on the video we'll have up on YouTube here pretty soon. So uh, tune in next time for the story of our uh, Ohio Giant. See ya.